Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Is This Real Life? A Bravo podcast that relates our favorite shows to our own lives and the world around us. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, Real Lifers. I hope that you're all having a nice week. Wanted to thank you all from the bottom of my heart for your birthday wishes and well wishes. It was so sweet to hear from so many of you. And a special thanks to Jasmine, a listener who got me some lover boy. It is incredible. I had the espresso martini and some of the spritzers. I particularly like the mango and the passion fruit one. And I believe that the hard teas are coming to DC. So I need to check them out. I think that they are going to be sold in Whole Foods, which is huge for Kyle, Amanda, and Carl and the rest of the lover boy crew. So This weekend was really interesting in D.C. because I ran into not one, but two people from The Real Housewives, and I feel like that never happens here. So how that all happened was I was out to dinner on Friday night, and Samaj Bloodson, who many of you know from the podcast, and he's got his own podcast now that you should all check out. So he texted me, and he's like, are you in D.C.? I was like, yeah, I like live here. (laughs) What's going on? And he said, Margaret Josephs is doing this pop-up book signing um, at this nearby hotel. And I was like, well, when I'm done with dinner, I'll stop on by. So he said, oh, she's actually, you know, putting everything away. I was like, no big deal. Like, we'll come see you. I haven't met you yet. So go to meet Samaj. And who is there but Bershon Shah, one of the new friends of from the Real Housewives of New York. I guess she was there to see Margaret and hang out. And so we start talking. I didn't really recognize her right away. Um, she was very friendly, got a photo with us. And then we were actually seated at a table near her and her friends for the rest of the evening. And so hanging out with Samaj and my friend and just talking. And then Margaret is back in the area. So, of course, I had to go up and say hi. I'm a huge fan of Margaret Joseph's. You guys know that I read her book and Anthony Lario and I reviewed it. He is a good friend of hers. You should all, if you haven't yet listened to that, um, that was two weeks ago. Um, So you should definitely check that out. But she is honestly the sweetest woman ever. I was like, hi, it's so nice to meet you. Um, And she seemed to think that she knew me from somewhere. She's like, you look so familiar. Where do I know you from? 
And I'm like, I have no idea. I don't think we've ever met. But I mean, I feel like I know you. We talked about how I believe she is just such an amazing, lovely woman and how I really think she's an honorary Jew. And for those of you who read her book, you know, she married Jan, who is a Jewish man and raised three of his three children and made sure they got bat and bar mitzvah and was part of the synagogue and was like really active in the Jewish community. And so it's just really interesting. I get this like vibe from her of just this like lovely, kind, funny, gorgeous, like Jewish mom, you know, and I know she's not Jewish, but she's like Jewish. <laughs> so it was so fun to meet her and it was just fantastic. So love seeing housewives in DC, you know, it's a happening place now, guys. <laughs> um, I don't know if I've actually met a real housewife before. I was starting to think back. I, I don't know where I would have run into someone. So that was just so fun. And I really needed something to kind of pick me up because I have been so upset that since BravoCon was announced, it is on a weekend where I have two weddings, not one, but two. And I've had nothing for the last year and a half. And this is the only weekend that I have plans in like all of 2021. It's like, oh my goodness, could you have chosen a different weekend? And now I love, though, that it's the weekend before Jen Shaw's trial, which starts the Monday after BravoCon. I believe it's October 18th. So unfortunately, I won't be at BravoCon. Um, really disappointed about it. I had been looking forward to it and hoping that they would announce and that it just wouldn't be that weekend. And it was that weekend. Oh, well. Life goes on. But let me know if you guys plan on attending and please take lots of photos for me and videos. Oh man, the FOMO is going to be out of control. Anyway, on a more serious note, this month is Jewish American Heritage Month and Asian American Heritage Month. And the AAPI and Jewish communities have been two groups that have been experiencing an uptick in hate crimes. And so just wanted to send my love to all members of these communities and know that you are welcome here and I appreciate you. And you know, over the last few weeks, there's been a lot of violence happening in Palestine and in Israel. And I haven't commented on it. Um, because honestly, I wasn't even sure, like, what is there to say at this point? It's um, so depressing and sad. But this week, Noor from the Reality Is podcast, uh, let me know about this clubhouse room where there's these Israelis and Palestinians talking about the conflict and having conversations. And apparently there's been like 130,000 people go in and out of this room over the last week. And it is apparently the largest exercise in public diplomacy ever. And I was up late last night listening to it. 
And it's just really amazing to see people try and have a dialogue because it is just so important on all issues to have dialogue. And it's so easy to other people that you don't see and that you don't engage with. And if there's anything I know about having lived in Israel when I was younger and visited and having family there, it's that, um, you know, over especially the last 20 years, Israelis don't get to engage much with Palestinians and vice versa. And I think that has contributed to so much of the misunderstanding and hate and othering. And so if you guys are interested in the conflict and want to check it out, I encourage you to go on Clubhouse. It is um, a room. It's called Balance Meet Palestinians and Israelis. And yeah, it's given me a little bit of hope in this sad, sad world. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you all, as always, for listening. Be sure to follow me on social media at Mandy Slutsker on Twitter and Instagram and Clubhouse, which I'm not on that much, but I'll try to pop in a little bit more. And if you like the podcast, please go ahead and give it a five-star rating and write a nice review. I love getting the reviews. They always make me smile. So my guest this week is an amazing woman, Sarah. She is the person and the voice behind the account Bravo Bravo Ducking Bravo Quack Quack. She is so interesting and funny and smart And many of you know her from her deep dives, uh, most recently into the Westcott family and all of the shenanigans and hate coming from Chart Westcott. So we talk about that a bit in the beginning before diving into the premiere of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. I was so happy that it's back. Um, We talk about this week's Real Housewives of New York and a little bit about the Jersey reunion, but there'll be a lot more next week about the Jersey reunion when it's complete. Anyway, thank you all so much for listening. I hope you enjoy my chat with Sarah and have a wonderful week. Hi, everyone. I'm here with Sarah, who is behind the account Bravo Bravo Ducking Bravo, which I love. How are you doing today? I'm so good. and I'm happy to talk to you. I love meeting the people behind the Bravo meme accounts. It is so fun for me. Like, how did you get into Bravo? And then how did you decide to make an Instagram account about it? Sure. So I mean, honestly, I don't remember a time before I was into Bravo. I think it's just (laughs) the minute that that came into fruition, I was just part of it. Like it just was in my veins from OC season one. So um, it's crazy to look back and think like I could have a doctorate in something for the amount of time. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Expertise that I have on uh, Bravo trivia. That's so wonderful. And what made you decide to do the meme account? I don't how long have you been doing it? Uh, I started it in August of last year. So I was shut in my house and watching a lot of Bravo and had a lot of things to say. And my cat would just stare at me. And I was like, I got to get this out. (laughs) So for my mental health, I needed like other Bravo fans to talk to. Um, And it's been great. Don't mind my dog, Stassi, barking. <laughs> it happens. What's your dog's name? Stassi, unfortunately. Oh, my God. Stop it. My cat's Nini. <laughs> this is who we are. 
this is who we are normally. I cut out her barking, but this is way too funny. <laughs> yeah, no, she. It's like it. She, her energy is very Stassi. It's it's calmed yeah, down over that. the years, but as a puppy, it we were in a constant battle where she was always winning. And the story that really kind of cemented her name is she was, I'd had her for a couple days. It was raining nonstop. I got this little raincoat to put on her because when she was a puppy, she was so small. And when she would get wet, it like, she would start shaking because she was so cold. So I wanted her to wear a raincoat just while she was that little. And she hated it. And she tried to get it off. And she's like, you know, struggling with it and when she realized she couldn't get off she stared at me she went to the carpet and she peed and she maintained eye contact the entire time (gasps) and at that moment i knew she was telling me i am the devil and don't you ever forget it (laughs) i love that i love that that is a bravo liberty type energy (laughs) She also happens to be a little white bitch. <laughs> so <laughs> it just kind of fits. But yeah, it it was rough last summer when Stasi got canceled and I'm still shouting her name all the time. <laughs> oh, I know. You're like, oh dang it, I didn't pick a good one. <laughs> I got one that did bad stuff. Speaking of canceling. Do you think that Cameron Westcott and the Westcott family will be canceled by Bravo? I have so many thoughts on this. Now, as you know, I did the dive into Little Shart, mm-hmm. Shardy, and that took me places that I did not expect. I thought it was just going to be like a quick little thing. And he really, he did that himself because he was lurking around, slithering, um, you know, kind of instigating just inflammatory comments with Bravo accounts. And I was like, why is this man so angry? Like, if you had that much money, wouldn't you just be you know, happy. And we know money doesn't buy you happiness or class. Um, so I looked into him. Then I looked into the Westcott. Like, well, how did they get this rich? You know, and Cam reached out to me, which that's a hot tip. I haven't told anyone that. Ooh. And um, she was not pleased. And she said, you know, it's um, you can't lie about people. It's, you know, against the law or something. And so that's the only reason I responded. And so I wrote her back and I said, hey, hey, girl, hey, I don't lie. Here are all my receipts. Here's every newspaper article. Here's everything. Like, I would never put something up that wasn't true. And she was very polite to me. I will say that. You know, we had a we had a nice exchange. We, you know, I de-escalated. Like, look, I'm not coming for you. Your brother-in-law came for us. And I just looked into him. And I was curious to know, like, how did you build this fortune slash your father-in-law? Um, do I think they will be canceled? The stuff that they've said, they wholeheartedly believe. So if anybody, uh, you know, I think his account is private. He goes private, public, private, public. Either way, I'm blocked. But Lil Sharp wholeheartedly believes these things. He's against um, critical race theory, not to get too like. He's obsessed with it, though. It's not just that he's against it. I mean, I just did two different dives, one into his Facebook back when he was. Bless you, then you know. Then you know. Yeah, because he mentioned Jews and I'm Jewish and I felt you know, uh, what the hell is he talking about? And I don't know a lot about critical race theory. I keep Googling it and I still don't feel like I understand it. It's this very academic concept too. It's an, it's, was made up by people in academia. And so 
All I know is it just acknowledges the existence of race, right? And that there is a like certain people who believe they are of a superior race and they try and keep down others. And that's just basic. And I know that some Jewish people, not myself, don't like that theory because many Jews, like myself, are white, but it doesn't acknowledge like where our oppression fits in or where kind of discrimination against us fits in if we're part of the quote-unquote like superior race, but yet we've been persecuted. But that's not what the majority of Jews think. Like, <laughs> it's like really unhelpful when people like Shart Westcott, yeah. um, you know, speak on our behalf, you know. Oh, absolutely. We have enough Jews with opinions. <laughs> we don't need our whole, you know, I love that like people on, you know, watching The Real Housewives of New York are saying Leah's joining an organized religion. I'm sorry, we are a disorganized religion. <laughs> There's no person at the top. It's super confusing. There's so many different ways to be Jewish and everyone has like five opinions. So, but yeah, he's obsessed with this critical race and he all he does is tweet about it. That's all he does, really, honestly. I mean, even from vacation, like he does not take a day off from, you know, this this mission in life. And honestly, what I perceive it to be, critical race theory, is just acknowledging that people have different experiences in this world, right? To me, that's what it is. And it's not so much he dumbs it down, duh, of course he does, to the color of your skin. He dumbs it down to that. But I think of it as like knowing someone and what factors, socio- socioeconomic, whatever, played into who they are and just taking that into consideration, challenges that they've had that you may have not have had and things like that. It seems pretty simple, seems pretty nice, seems pretty uh, considerate uh, just to acknowledge people and the different experiences they have. And he hates it. And there's, I, I don't get it. I don't get the hatred, but he believes what he said about anti-racism is racism. They believe that. That wasn't just some inflammatory statement. The fact that the fact that short did it. It wasn't <laughs> even short. It was short. And he's quiet. He's like, you know, silent Bob. He doesn't talk that much. So the fact that he came out and said that, I was blown. I had to rip my glasses off. I had to take a right? breath. Because it's like, really the brother-in-law that's always yes. speaking. It's not court. That's the big thing to focus on. Because that guy, I think his, everything was pretty much like on private. He didn't really have a lot of tweets out. They were about business. But something like triggered him. And I think Tiffany has been triggering them for a while because Little Shark came on my radar because he said something mean um, to Cece, loves you, that account, because she was defending Tiffany. That's it. She made a post defending Tiffany saying, hey, Tiffany, you know, there for you, girl, something like that. And he, you know, went after her on that post. So I think Tiffany triggers them. And so when Court entered the entered the chat, I was like, wow, okay, they're mad. They're showing their true colors here. That's amazing that you would come out and say that. Um, I don't want to see them on TV anymore. Cam, Cam doesn't amuse me enough for me to see them on TV anymore. That's how I feel. Call it canceling if you want to. I'm bored with it, you know? Yeah, I just didn't expect all of this. And once we watched the reunion, it became clear to me that Tiffany seemed to have the biggest issue with Cameron and not actually the other women. Mm -hmm. And the whole 
like season, we were all talking about brandy, right? Yes. And Carrie sucking in general. And yeah. and Stephanie not standing up to Brandy or not calling out her behavior, but not a ton about Cam since the beginning. And at, to see the disdain she has for Cam and the frustration she has and the physical manifestation of that by getting a bloody nose in yes. the middle, I was like, ooh, Cam must really be bad. <laughs> like... <laughs> Like, if she's like, no, Brandy, I don't think you have hate in your heart. <laughs> and then looks at Cam and is Ew, like, however, <laughs> you are a monster. <laughs> and I don't want to forgive you. And I don't want to hug you. Yeah. I mean, that s- speaks volumes. It really does. And let's not forget, I want to throw a flag real quick. Let's not forget that Carrie liked and commented on all of Shart's, you know, purposely inflammatory posts. Your culture is my costume, all this kind of stuff, even Cinco de Mayo. She says, ha love it. She likes the post and makes a little fun comment. Um, she takes them down afterwards when she gets blowback, but we know who Carrie is too. We definitely, and we've always known who Carrie is. True, but, no secret. Oh my, wow. It's so interesting. There's certain things in um, like a certain segment of conservative media where it's built on um, anger and they like tap into people's anger and they keep giving them things to be outraged about. And one of them just happens to be critical race theory. Another is like transgender children. Like they find these things (laughs) and then they blow them up. And then people just get angry and they post and they consume and they post more. And it's this like really scary cycle, I think, um, to be a part of. So to know that he's a part of that like angry group that just obsesses is wild. Absolutely wild. I don't understand it at all. I really don't. And I find it so interesting that, you know, I researching his family, like, his grandparents were not well educated. They had like, I think a fifth and an eighth grade education between the two of them. And so he went after Cece uh, Loves You, her account, because she had a typo in her post. Now, this woman speaks multiple languages. Okay. She has a business, like, and he still felt the need to try to make fun of her for a typo. And that really just activated me because it's like, where do you get off? Where, where, what would your grandparents think of this? Like, what are you talking about right now? Why are you angry? Why does Tiffany trigger you? Like, what do you have going on? All of this just tells us about you, not anyone else. The thing that gets me about all of this, and we'll move on, but is the fact that they didn't think twice about posting what they posted, knowing mm-hmm. that there are eyes on them, knowing that Cameron is on this television show that at least a half a million people watch. Mm-hmm. Why would they not? The fact that they just like think they can say whatever with no, no repercussions is so wild. I double think before like, I think before everything I type, like multiple times, I go through like multiple versions. (laughs) You know, it's like, how could you just tweet that? Because it does work for them. Because that's yeah. how it's been their whole life. Yeah. Because they're wealthy from their own family. They work for their dad. They don't need to go on interviews. They don't need to, to you know, take a risk and have other people, you know, have to invest in them or research them. Nothing. They're good. They're set for life. 
because their dad started a, you know, auto sales channel on, you know, instructional videos and stuff. And it, it, it did really well. $400 million, I think he sold it for in the 90s. So they're good. They're set. So they can do whatever they want. I think on Shark's, um, it's either his Twitter or his Facebook, he has uncancelable or something. So they're very proud of this. They're, they're very aware that they're in a good spot and they can say or do whatever they want and they're not going to lose their job. So I don't think they care what happens to Cam. I mean, she's always been, it seems that she tries to, um, you know, keep a good front on, not be too inflammatory. They are not like that. <sighs> okay. No, it's exhausting. <laughs> It is exhausting. Well, let's go to something that has given me life this week, which is the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills premiere. I have not liked this franchise the last few years. It hasn't been as enjoyable. I think we finally have an enjoyable season. What what about you? (laughs) I mean... We shall see. Lucy, Lucy, Applejuice, the bar was low, right? So they don't have to shoot too high to have a better season than, you know, recent years. Um, I really enjoy Garcelle and Sutton. I like their friendship. I like that I feel like they're honest about who they are and thoughts that they have. I don't feel that way from the other ladies. That apology from Lisa Renna, I felt like I was watching Ramona. Um, I felt like I was somebody like somebody was reading off of cue cards. You know, they went to a therapy session. They wrote down some keywords and they were just saying them and just seeing what stuck to the wall. Just kept trying different her people, her people. Uh, I didn't mean that. I could have, but I didn't have regrets like saying the C word, anything. And Garcelle just sitting there stone faced like she knew she knew, you know, I guess I'll throw you a bone, Lisa. I guess I'll say yes, I'll try. Um but I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I'm honestly watching for Garcelle Sutton and then to try to tally some receipts on EJ Global and see what material goods are being shown. EJ Global, that is a whole other mess. I mean, I went, you know, deep dive into the LA Times articles and mm-hmm. the amount of money that was being funneled to Erica Jane's company, EJ Global, from Tom is a lot. Yes. And so if she's saying, oh, I'm innocent, you got money from a fraudulent source. And it is your job when you take money from someone to know where that money is coming from. And so even if she didn't know what he had been doing, I mean, she is sort of, I don't know. I, I can see why people are upset with her. Yeah. For you know? sure. I mean, I think for us too, I say us, cause I feel like I'm part of this team of people who are just fed up. Um, the most bothersome, bothersome thing for me has been that she never once skipped a beat in putting up just like booty shots, you know, booby shots, whatever, never once said, Hey, this is horrible. I'm so sorry to hear this news. You know, I'm definitely on the side of the victims. I want this to be made right. I had no idea this was going on. Anything, something, but there was nothing. And so it just seems like it's the worst. It's the absolute worst choices. I don't know if she's doing that on purpose and she wants to like be a villain, uh, but that's definitely the way it's coming off. I just am assuming she's taking advice from a lawyer on what to say and what not to say. That would be my guess. She's not even doing press. Right now. But she is, though. She just walked the red carpet of MTV Music Awards. 
what's her old body doing at the MTV Music Whatever Awards? Are you <laughs> I kidding? Had no idea she did that. <laughs> I'm like 20 years younger. I don't know who those people are. What is she doing? <laughs> Oh, man. Well, then she can't say she's not doing press if she yeah. walked the red carpet. Yeah. Oh, man, Erica. She's a complicated one. She is. Yeah. Now, she really is. what did you think of Crystal and Kathy Hilton? Okay, so I am not feeling Crystal yet. We shall see if that changes uh, for me. My two red flags were one that she's super close to Kathy Hilton. Um. That's weird to me because Kathy, it seems like she has a mean edge. We'll see what happens. Uh, the second red flag was that in all of the photos that we've seen, cast photos, she is like glued to, to EJ Global. So for me, the jury's out and we'll see. And then she said some really snobby things last night. She did, but I loved it. I mean, I'm here good. for a little mix up. I feel like we've had the same cast of characters and they're all friends and none of them want to call each other out. And so they choose one person every season to like make a mockery of and go after. And I'm ready for like back and forth and changing alliances (laughs) and new friendships and new people that don't like each other and just change and like dynamic, like seeing more dynamic women. And okay, got it. And that's... I'm ready. The glory days of like Eileen v. Kim, Amsterdam dinner, like that, that was pretty magical. We haven't had that in a long time. And then to have things change, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Which it didn't really change between Eileen and Kim, but, you know, to have Kim and Brandy go after each other and then later become really good friends. (laughs) Like, that's what I like. I like seeing just change and and people grow and I don't know just just hearing new opinions and so I'm here for it I loved Kathy Hilton she is the kind of kooky that like I am (laughs) down with um she did something in that her first scene where Garcelle walked in and she said oh I thought you were Kyle Oh my gosh, and I know. I was like, excuse me, what? <laughs> she And it's like very clear that she has terrible eyesight. And Dorit's asking her, like, what do you actually see? And she's like, I see pink. I see dark hair. Like, not much else, you know? And yeah. she's like, don't you have contacts? And she's like, oh, I'm too afraid to put them in. Yeah, I noticed that too. I was like, <laughs> that was what? Excuse me? My favorite part <laughs> of the entire premiere. I couldn't stop laughing. I had a, fr- I have a fr- very good friend. And in college, she needed glasses. And she got glasses. And she just never wore them. And walking in college, like on the street, people would like wave at her from across the street. And she wouldn't see them. And so all these people were like, oh, my God, she's such a bitch. She never like says hi to mean the truth is she just never wore her glasses and it's Aww. just it just reminded me so I, I sent her the thing and was like this this is you Kathy Hilton that <laughs> so you're making me warm up on Kathy now because that was pretty amusing and I think what I really was afraid of is like the way that Kim and Kyle have talked about her over the past decade you know, it just makes you kind of like, oh, Lord, what's this going to be? I, I don't want to do any more like sister fighting. And like we saw that so much between, you know, Kim and Kyle, although it gave us some amazing moments. You know, it's like how much of the Richard, Richard sisters fighting like can I do? Um, but we'll see. It might be amazing. It always appeared to me just that Kim had a better relationship with Kathy, but that they still were stuck in their childhood where Kathy was the oldest and she controlled them. And even though she doesn't do that now, they still feel like she does. And I feel like that's such a relatable dynamic 
um, you know, with, as you get older, you still treat your siblings a little bit like how it was growing up. Yeah, it's hard to break those molds. So it's I'm so always true. fascinated by it. Um, okay, I have a whole list of things I wanted to ask. Let's do you. it. <laughs> so how did you feel watching that first scene with Erica in the closet with Mikey and her assistant? I felt so many things. It was multi-layered. It's multifaceted. Walk me through these um, layers. <laughs> first thing I thought was, hell yes, these producers, these editors are giving us the content that they know we want, which is, I'm sure they have tons of footage of her, hours and hours and hours, but they chose to show us her material goods, her personal belongings. Um, they showed us, you know, the Girardi personal, whatever, private reserve diamond necklace and earrings that came out. And I think that's so interesting. And I wonder, like, is that so they could sleep at night? Is that just because they know that's what we want? I don't really know, but I I, I think it's great. Um, and I realized also that, you know, because I didn't do a timeline. Usually I do that for myself, but I was like, I'm going in fresh. I don't want to overthink this. Like, I've already been way too deep in the Girardi deep dives. And I realized that this was filmed before they publicly, like, had the scandal, right? So... Mm-hmm. In her mind, the party's not over yet in that episode we saw. That is that was interesting. So interesting to me. I feel like they're setting us up. I feel like they are showing us everything and how it's going to crumble. Like mm-hmm. this is a setup. And she's saying, Oh, there's only so many things you can rearrange during COVID. Uh-huh. There's only so much you can do. Like I'm alone in this house or I'm bored in this house. And then the house is going to be gone. The material goods are going to be gone. Her husband is going to be gone. I mean, Mikey's I hope she still has the gone. dog. I think yeah. Mikey will, will, will hang around. I feel like they have a real life friendship. They might. They might. That could be her only true friend. It might be. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what a friend in Beverly Hills really is, though. I feel like, I don't know. It's interesting. I could I could theorize on that for a while. But if money exchanges hands, I don't know. That's true. That's true. I don't know who her authentic friends are that there isn't some sort of business relationship with because even the other housewives, you are all being paid to be on a show together. So who are the people in your life that aren't paid to be there? Yeah, that's the question for, I think, a lot of them. And I'm sure they have those people. I just don't know who they are for Erica. Yeah, she just doesn't let us in very much. Mm-hmm. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how much she lets us in. And I feel like Bravo keeps trying to, to shove it down our throats, like how open she's going to be. But I'm sorry, that's that's been the assignment the entire time. So is this yeah. going to be the first year that you actually are honest about your problems and that you're honest about your personal life? Mm-hmm. What were you no, doing so the last five years? I know. I completely agree. And it's so funny because it's like a few months after I made my account, like I was, I was an EJ global fan. Like I was like, Oh, I like her sass. I like that. She's got her, you know, alter ego and she has these creative pursuits, like good for you, you know, do you. Um, but then I, I made a meme because it was, it was something like when you realize that nobody hides more of their life than Erica Jane. And it was so prophetic because it's like, yeah, she doesn't really tell us much at all. Like, we, we really don't know a lot. We know a little bit about Tom. We know about her, you know, her dancing and stuff. She We met her mom. She wrote a book. Maybe that's all there is. 
But I just, for some reason, her and Lisa Renna, I don't know. I just don't feel like we really know who they truly are. Yeah. At least Lisa, we like got to know her family a bit, you know, and, and yeah, but you're right. I don't feel like I know who Erica is. And I tried to read the book and I love Brian Moylan who wrote the book, but it just didn't feel like she was sharing enough and I couldn't get a sense of who she is as a person that it was hard to keep going. It just felt very surface and very, I don't know. And and then I read Marge's book and that's like the opposite end of the spectrum. She was really open about the good, the bad and the ugly. I mean, details, you know, really into her marriage with Jan and how it all started and what it was like being, you know, a mom to the stepmom to those kids and just all of that experience and and the affair and how it started and what led to it and when they decided to tell that, you know, everything was just out there and the ramifications with certain friends, with stepchildren, with her own child, like, I'm getting this book. It's good. It's really, it's, it's honest. Um, and it's a lot of her business mind. And it, that's fascinating, too. Um, it's a different world. And, you know, t- then to have Rinna and all of them, it just not share things, you know, at least Rinna is always busy stirring the pot. Like, I understand what her purpose is. But Erica, I think the last few years, we've been tired. We've been like, come on, give us something. Tell us more about yourself. I know your son has a private life. You can keep that him private the way that Marge yeah. keeps all her kids private. And we Absolutely. still know a lot about her. Yeah, for sure. And I think, I don't know, even that little snippet of a fight that we see between her and Sutton, where Sutton is just like, you know, asking her an honest question. And she always does this. Like she reacts so over the top that it shuts you down. She did it with Teddy too, like several Mm -hmm. times that it scares you into like, it throws you off your, off your feet. So you stop attacking her. And it's just, it's just such an act. It's not her being like, Hey, that's a hurtful question. Like there's never just a real moment. It's this, this, I don't know, this persona. Do you think that the way she shuts the other woman down is maybe something she's learned from Tom shutting her down? It might be. I mean, I've, I've over the years, she's said a few things like, Oh, he's the boss. You know, when he calls da da da. I remember a lot of it. I remember thinking like, okay, you know, he calls the shots with her. He probably gives her X, Y, Z amount of money. Like you just, you start to just pick up on little clues that they have some sort of agreement where he, he is the lead. Like she is the second string. Um, so maybe, I mean, if you have read, like I have read, any of those legal documents that have come out where it's Tom uh, talking to, like via emails or letters, the creditors, and he's the one who owes them money. He owes them tens of millions of dollars. And because they have the audacity to ask for that money back, he reads them to filth and says, it's so, I can't believe a lawyer wrote it. Like, it's shocking to me. So maybe, maybe that's where she learned it. That's so interesting. I feel like we're, we're like kind of deep diving into Erica, but just one more question on her. Because at the end, she does um, open up about how she, you know, was running from things by being busy. And she felt like when the pandemic happened, she just couldn't shake the feelings of dread. And she didn't want to get up in the morning. And she decided to go on Lexapro. And how Mm -hmm. that was a difficult decision for her to go see a psychiatrist, because she thought that that was, 
a sign of defeat. And mm-hmm. so I'm just th- like, do you think that she's always acting like she's strong or acting like she's tough to kind of mask what's happening underneath? Um, I think that about a lot of people who pretend to be strong and tough. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I've got a lot of friends who are tatted up from head to toe, you know, bikers, whatever. They're some of the most sensitive people you'll ever meet. So I think in life, a lot of people try to have a very bristly exterior to keep themselves protected, um, to keep people away. Not always, but with, with you know, a couple that I know anyway. Uh, with Erica, that's probably a little bit of the case. Um, I don't know. It's interesting with her. She might just also not be like a warm and fuzzy person. Yeah. It's so funny. It just I felt like what she was saying was so relatable because like how many people during this pandemic had to sit in stillness and and had never been still with their thoughts. I mean, I think all of us went a little bit nuts. And mm-hmm. how many people made the decision, okay, I actually need some help. You know, I, I thought it was the most relatable that she had ever been in six yeah. years. Oh, for sure. I mean, anything where she's sharing something about herself and her struggles or um, I don't think I've ever, I'll have to roll the tape and I'll have to, you know, go back through it. But I don't think I've ever heard her say, you know, admit a fault. I can't think of anything like that. We're like, I made a mistake or, you know, I regret this or something, um, or at least not many. So I think that was a really good moment. I think it's helpful to a lot of viewers. I think it's helpful to the women. Um, you know, I think last year, like Garcelle had a real moment and they didn't even air it, which was so just disappointing they're talking about their families and things like that. So I enjoy those, those moments with Beverly Hills. Like everybody likes the fluff stuff too, but it's nice to really get to know these people and understand, um, you know, what gets them going. Yeah. And so what do you think gets Garcelle going? Cause I freaking I loved seeing her house. I loved her glam room. I loved the fish with Dorit and Kyle. Like that was hilarious. It was. She is amazing. I mean, what do you see for her this season? Do you think she can navigate some new friendships? I hope so. I hope so. Because I know she's, you know, she's close with Sutton right now. She's giving Lisa a second chance. I hope that, you know, she finds a friend in Dorit. Next week, we're going to see, you know, her confront Kyle about putting her on blast about the $5,000 check not having been received yet. Um. I'd be pissed about that too. It's like, you could text me, you could text me about that before you throw that out (laughs) on a reunion. Right. Um, So I don't know. I really hope so. I think she's, she's also one of those women who's like, I I think pretty confident and good on, on her own. She doesn't have to be part of a click. The clicks, those uh, alarm me a little bit. I don't like a click. And when they're all in the bed and like saying like, I don't know what they said. It reminded me of like Yolanda's dream team. I didn't like that. It's an icky feeling. Um, so I think she'll be all right. And I will say I was impressed with Kyle because I think today on her story, someone sent me that she was making fun of the goldfish thing. Yeah. (laughs) This is me shocked seeing (laughs) that I'm a goldfish in Garcelle's house. Like, good for you, Kyle. I love when the housewives can laugh at themselves because other than a few like random fans, nobody's got like mean spirited about this stuff. I mean, we're, we're laughing at things that I would laugh at myself about. So you know, it's, it's so fun with that. And one thing about the click that I've noticed that I think was 
happening last season, but is also noticeable now, is that Dorit is both part of the clique and not part of the clique. And she seems to really walk that line with being able to be friends with Garcelle and really form a relationship. On Watch What Happens Live, Crystal said Dorit was the most welcoming to her, and yet she's still friends with Rinna and Erica and Kyle, which is sort of the clique. Mm -hmm. And I find that really fascinating. I mean, have you always liked Dorit, or do you not like it, or have you learned to like her? Okay, let me tell you, I I really, really, really like Dorit and PK. Like, I'll I'll comment every now and then if I see foolishness. Like, driving that car with EJ, that bothered me, mostly because of EJ's stuff, you know, that she's got going on. But Dorit is very funny. I love their sense of humor. Um, I think she's, you know, a lovely person, probably. The episode that endeared me to Dorit, the episode where I was like, okay, all right, I like you was the beer pong when they were camping episode. It was so (laughs) funny and so real. And she slayed at at beer pong. And I was like, okay, I want to hang out with her. I like this human. I want to see more of this person on my screen. And she's funny on Instagram. And she's got her, you know, she's into glam. She's really, really into glam. And that's great. Who isn't, right? Um, So, yeah, I really like her. And I hope that she befriends, you know, Garcelle and that it's not like a clicky thing. Yeah, I have really liked Dorit for a long time. I don't know what it is about her. In the beginning, it was a little annoying with the accent and stuff and PK and the panties and Erica and all of that. Oh, yeah. We've moved past it. And I find them to be so endearing and so funny. And so I don't know, like their humor is just cute and funny and their kids are adorable and they seem to have a good relationship. And she never seems to really hit below the belt, but still gives us so much, you know, in terms of her opinions and drama and sharing about her life, you know, so. Yeah, I do. I love seeing her with her kids, too. There were a few scenes in the last couple of uh, seasons where she's like makeup lists like in sweats, hanging out with her kids. And I like those moments too, you know? Um, so yeah, she's got a, she's very likable, I think. It's like, you know, Kyle back in the day chasing after like baby Portia. Totally. I I love when they're, like when you really see them for who they are. Mm-hmm. Now, I was laughing really hard at Jagger and Phoenix's comments on her glam, how they didn't like her dress, yeah. <laughs> showed her boobs. <laughs> They're like, I could watch, and honestly, I could watch a spinoff of just the Kemsleys, like PK, Dorit, the kids, everything, whoever that teacher is that they they hired in the basement. I mean, my goodness, to see how really wealthy people do quarantine is something that is mind-boggling. You've got all these parents that have difficulty with the online learning, and they're Mm -hmm. trying to work at home, and the kids are so young and supposed to do this, what, on a computer? And then they hire this teacher to come in and actually teach the kids. Yeah, Uh, that was was a shocking moment. And when that aired, like, I was kind of speechless because, again, like, we've been living in a completely different reality like anybody I know, all of my colleagues, anyone like that, they've got little kids running around in the background for the past, you know, year plus. So to see she's got like a little schoolroom and a teacher, their own little teacher, like it's, you know, little women. You know? <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. But I mean, think of how every other child would be doing so much better right now if they had oh, that experience. Sure. It's just. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. 
Yeah. My so heart yeah. goes out to all the teachers that had to endure this past year online because I'm sure Me you too. wanted to do it in person as well. You know, it's it's how do you teach kids online? It's so difficult. Yeah. At that it's age, not. you know? Yeah, especially, I mean, I have a preschooler and they were trying to like read them books and I had to put them on mute because he's like, my favorite dinosaur. And I'm like, they don't care about your dinosaur, baby. They're trying to read you a book, honey, just, just for five <laughs> minutes. It just doesn't work, you know, with small children. It doesn't. But what was nice to see just about them talking about COVID was how difficult it was for all of them because yeah. it it I feel like we're at a point and where we are in the United States with our trajectory right now where things are looking better and people are starting to see each other again. A lot of people are vaccinated. So watching it back and seeing it doesn't feel as bad as it did when we were watching it on the OC and still in the middle of it. It's kind of like, oh, maybe I'm ready to do some reflecting while they're reflecting. Yeah, I think honestly, if that that footage of like the private tutor and driving the McLaren – talking about, oh, my Broadway show got canceled. I'm in a low place. That had aired even three, four months ago. Don't think that would have been well-received. I think right now when people, the weather is nice and people are hopefully vaccinated and able to go out into the world, um, it's all right. But that would have been rough to, to stomach, I think. Yeah, definitely. But just hearing like, you know, what was it? Sutton said she couldn't get out of bed for eight weeks yeah. in the beginning. And Kyle talking about her anxiety. I mean, my anxiety was through the roof. Yeah. <laughs> like, just kept oh my thinking. gosh, mine was too. I was like, okay, when was the last time this happened? Like this big on this global scale? How long did it last? That was an influenza. That wasn't the same as coronavirus. Like, what is this going to like? Is it going to be yeah. two years? Is it going to go on six years? Like how many years is this going to be? Because this is not just a couple months. <laughs> you no, know? I know. I feel you. Like I was... I was like bleaching fruit, like laying it out in a towel to dry in the sun. Like I I was that person. I was just, you know, gloves and a mask and everything from the jump, like spraying things down. <laughs> oh, that was wild. And the thing is, like for me looking back, like I knew it was coming. Like I knew it from the end of January when I saw that yeah. Wuhan had shut down. I was like, oh, oh, this, this is going to, this is going to get out there and this mm-hmm. is going to go everywhere. And, and I knew that and like my, you know, training in public health and courses in epidemiology. And yet still, I was still shocked. <laughs> like I knew it and I wouldn't allow myself to acknowledge that it was happening. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. And then I enjoyed like watching and remembering because we were in the thick of the pandemic when we saw like Below Deck classic with Captain Lee air. And mm-hmm. so we're in it and we see them hearing about it for the first time. And you remember what that was like when it's like, oh, there's only three cases and they're all in New York. It's going to be fine. And it's like, that's just, that, that's amazing to think back on. Oh, there's only a few cases. We'll be fine. This will get contained. No, it won't. Yeah. Oh, man. And especially like because we've lived through swine flu and that didn't end up being the big one. I think people like me who've been waiting for, you know, a hundred year epidemic just from what I've studied. I was like, this is coming. When it came in 2009, I was like, okay, this is it. We dodged a bullet. It wasn't so bad. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, swine flu, that was really horrifying and scary. And then it, and then it was, and then it wasn't right. Like, yeah. Oh, man. Um, well, are you excited to go to Lake Tahoe with the girls? 
I'm super excited to go to Lake Tahoe. Trips are always, you know, catalysts for whatever grievances people have. We'll see what happens. And I think that was the trip that produced the infamous, like, no makeup photo where they were all standing together, like, outside or something. So I'm, I'm going to have to do a timeline so that I can remember what was going on. Because um, I think the next episode will be, you know, around later October. And she files for divorce, like, on election day, I think November 4th. So November we're getting close. 3rd. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that was, I remember when that happened on election day, it was like, she is brilliant. This is a brilliant thing to do. No one's going to be focused on this. And yet everyone in my timeline was focused on it. It's like, I mean, they can try. (laughs) They can try. But like the Bravo universe, like, no, we can make, we can make a little bit of room. We We didn't know who was going to win the election for days. So we had a lot of time to dig into what the hell was going on. Yeah. Totally. Um, Any final thoughts on Beverly Hills? Um. You know, just that I'm watching it through the eyes of the Girardi victims, and it's a dark place to watch it from. Uh, I'm aware that a lot of people who have been waiting on their money from small amounts of a couple thousand dollars to large amounts of, you know, tens of millions uh, are watching it. And it's difficult to see someone um, running around in very luxury, foolish goods when you need a, a you know reasonably small amount of money to get by um, or for what you were owed. So that's tough. But, you know, that's definitely tainting the season for me, for sure. But I'll try to find the, you know, the good stuff out of the other people. Really just Dorit, Garcelle, Sutton. Uh, we'll see how Kyle does with, you know, her sister on. We'll see how Crystal does. I am looking forward to the fight between Crystal and Sutton. I want to understand what that's about and what what happens there. Yeah, I couldn't follow it from the clips they were showing us at all. No, something Crystal just decides to go off on Sutton, I think. Something tips her off the edge and she lets it all out. And, you know, Sutton, I feel like she's a really very real person. Like, let the mouse go. Like, I, I enjoy, you know, her so much because I feel like she's being as if she was, you know, sitting with anyone at dinner. It's not produced. It's not, you know, PR stuff. It's really what she thinks. Yeah. I really appreciate her a lot. Yeah, me too. She's a great addition. All right. Shall we head over to the Real Housewives of New York? Uh, yes. So how are you feeling about this season? I know a lot of people are kind of all over the place. You know, some people love it. Some people hate it. Some people miss Dorinda. Some people miss Tinsley. Some people miss none of them. Where are you at? I mean, Dorinda's like, none of these, you know, people are perfect. They're humans, right? Everybody's got their flaws. I love watching Dorinda. When Dorinda fights and she's mean but funny, that is my favorite thing when she had that fight with Ramona last year and she starts mocking Ramona, I can't. My, I just am filled with joy. I could rewatch that. In fact, I might watch it tonight just because it's just so amazing. Um, and Dorinda, let's not forget, she brings the fun. Mermaid costumes, Dorinda. You know, the, the fake titty thingy, Dorinda. Like, Dorinda brings fun. And so I feel like she's definitely missed. I agree that maybe she needed a season or two off. She had a lot going on. She's dating a a cute guy now. She's, you know, seemingly getting herself back together in a good place. So I hope we see her again. Um, I do think it's, I feel that there's only five. 
you know, and then I look at Beverly Hills and there's seven and I'm like, we couldn't find one more person (laughs) for New York. But what do you think about it? I like it. I miss Tinsley. Do you? I mean, I like Tinsley. She's very, you know, amusing and bubbly and likable. I miss old Dorinda, like a few seasons ago, Dorinda. I made it nice, Dorinda. She just got so preoccupied and so angry Mm. and it felt like she was drinking and taking other stuff and it just didn't feel like what I hope is the real her. And so I want her to get to a place where she's not so angry because Mm. I felt that the other women in the way that they couldn't always be themselves around Bethany, I felt that sometimes they couldn't be themselves around Dorinda because of how um, just scarily mean she can get. Yeah. Okay. I could see that. I could see that. And I don't know. Maybe yeah. I, I, maybe I'm tainted and biased. It could be. Could no, be. I really like Dorinda. I just thought last season was too much. And the fact that she couldn't see it, that she had kind of wandered into a really dark place and pull herself out made mm-hmm. me feel like, okay, they have to give her time to figure this out and reorient because I do think she's good for the show. I think she's an interesting woman. But she needs to figure it out, you yeah. know, because it I mean, does John feel fight. lighter. Yeah. In a way, even with all the dark stuff with Sonia, it's still lighter. And I want it to be light again. It, You know, as dark as New York always is, like these women are haunted, right? Like yeah. of this entire, you know, everyone's haunted by something. And, you know, with all of them. And it's nice... I don't know. It's nice to feel them enjoying themselves, talking, having open conversations, and being able to say what they're thinking without fear of Bethany or Dorinda or anyone. That's that's sort of what I... But I do feel like there's not enough people. It would have been wonderful to have some more new housewives. It would have been great to have Tinsley this season. Mm -hmm. And I hope next year there can be seven housewives. Yeah, I hope so too. Yeah. yeah, and it's true though because I remember when they were going to, uh, wherever they just went uh, to the winery. It mm-hmm. just brought me back to when they went to the winery or apple picking last season, and it turned into this hellscape of like Dorinda going off on Tinsley and the giant wine glass and all of that, which was also a magical episode. I mean, it was pretty great, but you know, we'll see where it goes. I feel like you know Ramona's going to Ramona always. She's herself. Sonia is going through some stuff. I love that she's talking about it, that she's going through things. Um, Luann and her new man. That's interesting, I guess. And this uh, this faux, faux rosé, what is it? Fose? Fose. Try to sell soon. <laughs> oh, man. Like, tell uh, me you're bringing a product to market without tell me you're bringing a product to market because you're, like, making it in every single scene. Um, yeah, and then, you know, Leah... And, uh, I mean, I love Ebony, I gotta say, though. Oh, man, is she, she's really something in that her, so it was very obvious when they were at the winery, and she had the conversation with Ramona about the terminology, the help. And then right after that, you see Leah go after Ramona for lying about donating COVID plasma. And Ebony is kind of like, you're never going to get what you want using that tactic. And Leah cannot seem to 
like change how she communicates no. in order to get like an outcome. And I, the thing is that's different is that Ebony seems to want a different outcome. Like she wants to have resolution with Ramona. She, yeah, wants, she wants it to be peaceful yeah. exchange. Yeah. But Leah, I don't think actually does. I think she wants people to get angry at another person. She's going to frame them. You know, this episode, it was Ramona. How dare you lie about that? How dare you do this? Look at how horrible you are. We're in the middle of this terrible pandemic. Meanwhile, Leah wasn't exactly like modeling perfect behavior. I mean, I'm not here to shame people, but like she was traveling. Like once she decided the worst of it was over and the worst wasn't over. Right? Like it got really bad again, yeah. <laughs> including in New York City. So, you know, I don't, and then next week it's going to be Heather, where she's like, let's all focus our attention and anger oh, on. Yes. Like, it's not to get a resolution, it's to ostracize someone. Yeah, that's true. And I will say, I've, I've got like such a respect for Ebony because of the way that she handles conflict. And I think it's the way that most of us would in real life, which is why I like to see it. It's like, you know, nobody's trying. Ramona's not trying to offend you. That's just who she is. So calmly explaining to her why that was offensive and she'd be a better person to do X, Y, Z is the best way to go. I do also think that with her background of having worked at a quote unquote news organization, um, you know, in America that Ramona is most certainly a fan of. She's kind of like the right wing whisperer to me. She speaks that language. She gets what, you know, is behind that. And I think she is uniquely capable of reaching Ramona and watch them end up being, you know, pretty tight because everybody knows how to talk to that audience. You are so right. You are a hundred percent right. And it's unusual to see a housewife handle conflict in that way. And it mm -hmm. is a breath of fresh air. I know she's, I mean, there's a reason she was cast. There's got to be craziness in her. Like, <laughs> she she showed a little bit of it, um, not this episode, but last episode, I think, when she mentioned, oh, I have this serious boyfriend. And, and then COVID came and he went to be with his three children instead of me. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Wait, are you saying that you, the non-married person to this person, is like more important than their three children that maybe needed someone in their life at that moment? You know, like it that yeah. at that moment, I was like, I I see you, I see you, Ebony. You got you got a little crazy in you, but and I wondered, I wondered with that, I was like, was there something else there that we're not understanding? Because if you're with someone seriously and they have children, I would expect them to want to like race and be with her. If you think it's like the end of the world, there's a pandemic, you need to protect your family. I'd be like, okay, we got to go be near your children. Like, let's get a place. Together. Near, whatever. Together. Together. Um, so I think there had to be other things going wrong. I'm going to say to myself, it's a bad edit. Asterisk. We'll see. <laughs> you know, you never yeah. know. It just made me laugh. I was like, oh, oh my yeah. gosh. <laughs> I know. My jaw was kind of like I was open a little bit. I was like, oh, OK. All right. But <laughs> I also love all the scenes. And this is just classic Roni of Ramona and Sonia in the bed together with their dogs. 
Like, oh my god! And she doesn't know if the dog is dead. That was amazing. <laughs> I was I'm like, like, oh, this is what no, we love. We can't have Coco die now. Like the one, the one bean that hasn't left her. You know, Avery grew up and moved out, and yeah. you know, Mario is gone, and Coco has always been there. And oh, then yes. you have Marley, which is like Marley can never leave Sonia. No, no, they need those dogs, and I think it's so funny. Like you know, that first episode, it's like whose dog pisses this? Like, well, we're back in it, guys. <laughs> Welcome to Real Housewives of New York. Whose dog piss is this? This is what we do here. And there's going to be some errant feces and talking about IVD. Like, welcome. I know. Do you think that Ramona actually had diarrhea or that she just wanted the cameras and Luann okay. to just move Either away? way, I'm a fan. Either way, I'm a fan. Number one, I love a lady who talks about her bowel movements. Number two, and no pun intended with number two, but if she made that up, that's stellar. Like, kudos. If you're just going to tell people when you don't want to talk that you have diarrhea. I it's, think it's the wonderful. perfect excuse, though. Like, if you ever feel sick at work or if yes. you ever need to get out of a conversation, yes. you just say you have diarrhea. Like, conversation ends. Over. Done. Go take care of that. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, nothing will get me laughing harder than that Cartagena episode where they're just shitting themselves. Oh, and I like love Luan. that. Oh, my God. It's so good. And it's so relatable. Like if you've ever traveled and gotten sick, which my listeners know, um, in the last few episodes, I've shared that I I had, um, I've I've had a lot of things, but I had cholera when I lived abroad. Yeah. And it was really scary. And and it was very bad. (laughs) And it, I can laugh about it now. And I was (sighs) able to laugh about it a little bit once I got better, but yeah, no, it yeah there's like i gotta a, hear about that you oh. gotta tell me like what podcast you talk about that i want to know all <laughs> kinds of details about that. no they didn't no one wanted to know details i was talking to tom hamlet and he's like please please stop <laughs> me i want to know details <laughs> so all i, I have like to hearing say about illnesses is like that <laughs> you know how um they sell like liquid IV now and it's just yeah. like, so they, that's like was, I think developed in Bangladesh where I lived, which is like oral mm-hmm. rehydration solution, which is like yes. the combination of sugars and salts that you need to dissolve in water. And when you drink it, it helps the water like stay in you and it yes. helps you hydrate better. Um, and so that is basically what I drank. I, I had filtered water and um, that stuff and I, it does not taste good when it's, you know, you buy it from someone at the corner, the oral rehydration yeah. solution in, in Dhaka, Bangladesh. But I drank that for a very long time. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wild, wild. Wild stuff. So I, but um, yeah, in my group of friends, you know, everyone knows I'm the person with the diarrhea problems. So, <laughs> <laughs> or, or used to be, I'm, I'm fine now. But, you know, I have found all of those travel things so funny. And I love that the women of New York just like, they don't have this thing about them where they're worried about their image. And yeah. and I feel like they may be the only franchise, particularly like Luann, Ramona, and Sonia. Yes, they use social media. Yes, Ramona Instagrams everything. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they know how, like they're not playing a game, I guess. Yeah. Like they're just using it because they think they're supposed to be using it and that's what people do, but they're not playing a game with it like I'm gonna drop this and I'm gonna drop a hint and I'm yeah, gonna get followers. I agree. I agree. It's not it's not like, you know, plotted and planned out. It's it's pretty like authentic feed stuff. Yes, they do promotional stuff and whatever, but you know, it's it's not at all like an influencer account. And I like that. 
I love it. It feels real to me, and it feels mm-hmm. like they're just somebody's mom who's a little kooky on Instagram. <laughs> yes, that's what I want out of my housewives. And exactly. I do love <laughs> I do love when Sonia traveled back and she was wearing that diaper. Like they just these ladies, <laughs> I love them so much. Like, ah, I get that they're all flawed, but I just really enjoy them. I do too. Um, why do you think Sonia hates Garth? Luann's new love interest. That was something, wasn't it? She yeah. really, yeah, yeah. And okay, and somebody um, DM'd me and said, "I bet Sonia got so drunk so quick because um, she might be on this medication that reacts poorly with alcohol." Because she said she was dealing with some dark days, and I think if you're on something and you drink, it could, you know, make that worse. So that could be it too. Like, you know, last season it was her water pills or whatever, and this season it could be that. But either way, she got drunk quick, and boy, did she get pissed about Garth. And I, that was amazing to watch um, because she had a visceral reaction. <laughs> it was like, where is this coming from? I mean, I do think that there's no other explanation other than booze and some sort of medication or pills. Yeah. Like that's been the thing the whole time with her though. And also I'm sure she doesn't eat a whole lot while filming. Yeah. And so the combination of all of it, but it just to see that like light switch kind of in the eyes shift. And you mm-hmm. know, at that moment that that person doesn't know what they're saying and yes. won't remember it the next day is kind of creepy that like we're watching it and she's watching it back and she's not even know like I don't know how you how you recover from that and ever pick up a drink again. Well, you know, I mean, I think we've all had those nights, or have we not? Is it just me? But I've we had haven't those. had to watch it back. That's, that's the true. thing that's so that's true. If I had to watch back my twenty first birthday, I'm telling you, I may never have drank again. Like, I don't remember hours. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's essentially what Leah did, right? She saw that season and she was like, okay, hold on a minute. Record yeah. scratch. Like, I'm drinking too much. I'm going to I'm gonna go off of alcohol. I didn't need it for a long time. I see who I am with it. Let me, let me pull back from this. But however, Sonia, I mean, we've seen Sonia like this so many times. She's had these moments. And there's nobody who's willing to laugh at themselves more than Sonia. Remember when she was like, showing her butt in the little Victorian outfit. Like she's always just been someone who says, all right, big deal. You know, I don't think she has a lot of ego. Um, And, you know, the thing with Garth, I feel like she probably really likes her friendship with Luann and Garth is a threat to that, right? Luann's not going to be around. He's not going to be, she's not going to be like a close girlfriend because they have a real, you know, camaraderie. And Garth is, you know, a distraction. And she had to hear about him the whole drive up. I might lose my shit, too. That was a lot of time. You're right. Yeah, I might be like, enough. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. She did have to probably listen that whole time. Yeah, in a confined space. What what I don't didn't really like about this episode was when Leah – chats with all of them about confronting Heather when Heather shows up because that didn't feel real. Like her saying, this is what Heather said about you. And this is what, like they all have Google alerts as we learned from Ramona on their, do you, uh, do you know what a Google alert is? A goggle alert <laughs> on the interwebs. 
they all have it. So they all know that she's done these things. And it wasn't like she had just done them, right? Oh, like, yeah. It's, it's stale. It's old. It's mm-hmm. old stuff. So she's dragging up old stuff. And then you see Luann going, oh, that's awful. Maybe. You know, and it's like, <laughs> what? Luann, stop that was it. A like, spot on. You have another no- <laughs> career as a Luann impersonator. <laughs> well, now I think maybe we should just let her come. It's like. <laughs> I feel like I'm there. <laughs> it's like. Come on, Luann, like you, we all know you did cocaine with like the pirate or whatever. Like it's like, it's old news. You know, it's old news. Ramona doesn't care about that stuff. Ramona's like, ah, she's my friend, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, and Sonia's like, I like all my faces. So I don't think (laughs) these three women care that much what Heather has to say about them. And so it feels so manufactured. And I feel like we deserve more from the Real Housewives of New York, and we deserve more from Leah. Do like make a real storyline. Like, what are you truly upset about? Yeah, it, that was an odd one too, especially because I I stopped and I went and I listened. I went and I listened to that uh, podcast in question. And what one of my followers said to me, and this is so true, they don't bring up Carol. Carol was part of that too, right? It was, it was, yeah, like how come Heather's taking all the heat? You got two ex New York housewives. Spilling secrets, which I think is a little, I don't know. I mean, sure, we we love to hear it, I guess. I never heard it. I don't listen to the podcast that they that they have. But um, I don't know. I'm more one that I wouldn't spill stuff like that. That's just me. But I'm not a housewife. And that's probably, you know, they need that out of their housewives. They need messy. So I feel like that's part of the game. And I think that Sonia, Ramona, and Luann know that and don't flinch. And for some reason, Leah's got her in her crosshairs. And I don't know if it's to make drama. I don't know if she's legitimately pissed because Luann is a close friend of hers and she feels protective. It could be a combination. Yeah. And then, you know, it all kind of goes haywire when Lou FaceTimes Garth and then Sonia FaceTimes. And I'm loved tra- it. I wrote it down. The Global <laughs> Supply and Diversity Director at J.P. Morgan. Of course, that's who you drunk dial. Like, duh. Let's get lit and drunk dial that guy. And it's not clear who he is until Ebony takes the phone from her. But she's like, we did AIDS PSAs. And I raised money for the LGBT. I raised millions for AIDS awareness. It's like, I loved her. The whole speech she gave about protecting yes. the poor. I even wrote down, we need to protect the poor. Stocks mm-hmm. are going up. The poor yep. are getting poorer. The homeless mm-hmm. are getting homeless-er. Is she wrong? She's, She's not, wrong. not wrong. She's not wrong. wrong. Sonia of the people. Of all of these housewives, and this pandemic is happening, and you've got the ladies of Beverly Hills feeling so sorry for themselves and their million-dollar yes. mansions, right? Yes. And all of their clothes and diamonds. And then you've got Sonia thinking, wow, as the stock market increases, the poor are getting poor. And this is mm-hmm. just unfair. And I need to take a stand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I appreciated it. I did, too. I thought it was amazing. And I absolutely loved, again, I think Ebony is such a, an amazing person because she grabbed that phone and she's like, let's see what you're trying to say here. She talked to the guy and said, now, who are you? And she made it clear for everybody at the table. Because you could tell that Sonia was having a moment of conviction. She just was tipsy. She just couldn't get it out right. So um, Ebony did her a solid. It was really nice. And 
Ebony then also lectured us. I learned that J.P. Morgan is working to close the racial wealth gap, and she's going to get her mortgage through them instead of Wells Fargo, which Ramona points out has a lower rate, uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) lower rate for financing your mortgage. And then Sonia just kind of goes off the rails, like, how dare you mention Wells Fargo? You bank with my family. You know, and she just, (laughs) it was just like the Morgan Letters moment. It was was the Morgan Letters it, we lost her. Sonia left us. Yes, no, but I mean, again, like there's a sliver of truth there where you can kind of get it. It's like, how dare you? I'm trying to tell you about this great thing that's happening where it might be like a, a slight irritant to you if you're of sound mind and body in that moment. You'd be like, you would. You would defend Wells Fargo after all the things they've done against, you know, people in this country, like all the scams and stuff. Like you would try to stick up for them versus this great thing I'm trying to tell you guys about. Now you exacerbate that with whatever medication and drinking and not eating and boom, there you go. So I I don't know. I kind of got it. I think it's good when people set uh, Ramon in her place. Yeah, I just feel bad for everyone having to live through this, including Sonia, for for next week and particularly Lou, who doesn't seem – um, as strong in her sobriety. And it seems like it's a little tough for her. And I think, I think it's a lot for her to watch people be very drunk. Yes, yes. And that that made me feel terrible. So at first, you know, when she shoves Ramona, you, you see Ramona's face, and she's shocked. And you realize that Sonia, just because we know her, like if it was any other woman that we didn't know in a restaurant, we'd be like, whoa, there's a threat here. Get control of that lady. But because we know with Sonia, we know she's not going to like cut her with a glass or anything. Like that's as wild as it gets. And she's just going to yell about, you know, JP Morgan stuff. And she's dealing with things right now. And we get that. But then seeing Luann being very upset, and I think she was either crying or starting to cry, that's horrible. And I felt terrible about that. And I'm sure Sonia will you know, apologize and try to make it up to her. But it's very difficult, I'm sure, to be around women who are not just drinking, but getting very inebriated and then seeing the sloppiness that comes out of that. Um, yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah. And with with Sonia, she has been going through it for a while, right? Like yes. everyone says she's going through something. Well, her divorce was a long time ago and she was only married for like six years. and. Yeah she seems to be caught on some sort of like neurotic loop where she's like retelling the story in her mind of how awful it is over and over, but not getting anywhere. And I desperately want her, I'm glad she saw the healer, but I desperately want her to actually pull out of it because I love Sonia. I love watching her. I love her antics. I think she's a kind-hearted person, but she needs to move forward in her life. And she's stuck on this loop. She does. And I think it's difficult for her for like many reasons. If I try to put myself in her position, I I don't think that being in that townhouse is super helpful for that, you know? And I think she she talked about that. Like I was out of here and things were going great for me and I had the deals and da 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 and then this house didn't sell and I had to move back in it because who can pay that mortgage, right? That mortgage has got to be huge or the rent or whatever it is that she has to pay. You got to pay something, taxes for a house that size in New York City. So she's back there. Her deals didn't go through. And in the back of your mind, whenever things don't go great, I'm sure she thinks about if only, if only I still had that life, I would have no worries Kind of like how Dorinda always reminisced about being with Richard. He took care of everything. 
I got to just be my, I didn't have any stress. I didn't have these issues. Wasn't that so nice? And it's like, that's over. That's over. You know, like Leah screaming, it's not 1985, the yacht, whatever. Um, but I'm sure it's easy to let your mind go back there. And there might be some of it where if that's your value system, if you see that name being associated with, that's when I was important. That's when I was had power. That's when I was someone then that's, you know, toxic as well. Yeah, I feel like both Dorinda and Sonia rewrite their marriages to be yeah. much ro- much more romantic and better than they Probably. actually were. Probably. And and both weren't married for that long, like, you know, maybe 6 7 years and obsess over it. I mean, Dorinda had a husband before Richard that she was married to longer that we never hear about. True, yeah. And Sonia has lived a life after being married and won't talk about her current life is always talking about her old life and romanticizing about it. So I think both of them need very intense psychotherapy. (laughs) And I really hope that they pull out because they deserve it. They deserve to be freed from their past. I agree. I agree. I mean, I just think, you know, it was probably a time in their lives when they were, they felt extremely secure, financially stable, and not stressed out. And so, yeah, I mean, that's tempting to just keep thinking, going on that cycle. Like you said, this like toxic loop of, if only like that, that had remained. Why didn't that remain? It's like, well, it didn't, you know, and I think Dorinda was really good at that sometimes. And then she got into the toxic thing with John. And oh, my gosh, that was that was its own thing. Um, but yeah, I hope for Sonia's sake. And I think it's probably also exacerbated by, you know, the pandemic and things not going right for her and being alone like that. You can just go into your mind a little bit. So I don't know. I hope she, she brings such joy when she's on screen that I hate to think of her, you know, being in a dark place like that. I, I, I love seeing on Instagram when she's like visiting places and she's doing this thing now. She's got an amazing niche where she's like visiting resorts and spas and uh, God bless. Like what, what a dream, you know, that's what she does now. I love it. She was actually at a spa when the pandemic hit New York and she wasn't in Palm Springs and she was afraid to fly back. Right, because it's like New York and it was the middle of March. Like, I'm not going to get on a plane. I'll just wait a little bit longer. Well, a little bit longer, everything shut down. She was there for, I think, at least two months. Oh my God, I did not realize that. I just had a birthday. And for my birthday last year, my brother and sister-in-law got me a cameo from her. And she was at the resort, like (laughs) by herself. And there was like a couple people working there. And they would like put juice at her door. And she was like juicing (laughs) and sitting outside. And that was it. Like, (laughs) wow. Wow. Oh, the best in the can- cameo, she didn't even pronounce Roni correctly. She she called it Ronnie. I hear you like your Ronnie. <laughs> I was like, what's Ronnie? Oh, my God. Did my you already share that? was like, I wrote R-H-O-N-Y. Isn't that what you, isn't that what the show is? <laughs> like, <laughs> That's what we mean. That's what we're talking about. They are not savvy to all these things. They're just do. they're just getting by doing their thing. I love it. It's amazing. Yeah. All right. Well. I want to just end with chatting briefly about the Real Housewives of New Jersey. So before the reunion even aired, we see Melissa 
and Jennifer get into this all-out battle that I think it was clear that Jennifer won. (laughs) What are your thoughts on all of that? Yeah, that was messy. That was hard to keep up with, too. I was like, ladies, 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 it's Beverly Hills premiere day. I got a full-time job. What are y'all doing to me, like, in the late hours? (laughs) And people would post, and they'd say, hold up, wait, 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 somebody else just responded. They'd have to redo the post. Hold up, wait, somebody else just responded. And I'm like, this is crazy. Um, It's What's wild to me, I just want to say, my biggest takeaway out of that stuff is you have got to be paying attention on social media. You cannot just be watching the show anymore. It's not like years ago when you were just like, oh, I wonder what will happen next season. It's like a whole season happens between the seasons and even a season happens parallel with the season. So you got to be paying attention. Um, But I don't know. I thought it was, I mean, Melissa definitely was trying, right? She threw the first little stone there. She and Joe, because then Joe backed her up and said something like, you get them, you get them. I'm like, you guys, can you guys just relax for five minutes? You know that Jen is an easy target and she'll come right back for you. Um, but yeah, I thought Jennifer, you know, read her to filth as expected. Jennifer really can hold her own. She can. And at the reunion, I was shocked by a couple things. I mean, she basically claimed that Marge um, at one point said that she had knew that Joe Gorga didn't pay his debts or didn't pay people back. You know, of course mm-hmm. I know my husband's a plumber. We keep hearing about that, yes. And I kind of believe her that Margaret said that, you know, and she's like, do you think I would ever say that? I love Margaret, but like, if that's actually what's happening, where Joe doesn't pay people and Margaret knows it, I'm sure she'll say it. She's yeah, not a I'm liar. sure she would. And I've had people slide into my DMs. And I mean, these are things I can't completely check, but I've had at least three people be like, yo, I'm from that area. He doesn't pay his contractors. Like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's good to know. I'm like, you know, I'm not going to go check that out, but I feel like that's that's worth a little something. Right. And then at the end, when she throws that shocker, that bomb, that the whole rumor about Evan cheating on Jackie originated with Marge. yeah and i don't know see because i don't was it made up is that what they're saying or that she heard it and she's the one who put it out like but but that she didn't generate it like the you know she wasn't the catalyst of it we'll have to see next week i guess yeah but people have said, oh, I'm from that area. I've heard that, too. But it's like, where did you hear it? But like, where? Just because someone says it doesn't it mean Teresa? it's happening, you know? Yeah. And then it was Teresa that really made it a plot line, right? She, and oh, that's, yes. that's the issue. So it's like, where yeah. did Teresa hear it? She would have said Marge if it was Marge. Yeah. That, and that's the thing. Teresa couldn't have heard it from Marge. Because she would have, I agree. I think she would have been like Marge said, you know, would have come out right then. Um, so it's very interesting. I don't know. I need to. I need to hear more about this. This is one of those like weird things where you're like, hold on, wait, wait, wait. More questions than answers. It's also just interesting to me how frustrated Marge and Melissa, in particular, are with Jennifer, and they're just picking at her for things that I don't think are warranted or, or warrant going after someone like. 
how her family is the storyline. Well, that's what's happening in her life. You know, just how you have a storyline with your husband, that's your family. She has a storyline with her mom, that's her family. And by the way, she just posted today that her and her mom are currently in Turkey and they have reunited. And yeah, her mom is finally getting to see her grandchild. That's wonderful. So, you know... I don't know. I feel like that's been one of the most interesting things for this entire season is this dynamic that seems very real. They're yelling at each other in Turkish. You know, it's a real dynamic. It's a real thing. And it's complicated. And I think it, it makes for very watchable television. I love it. I can't get enough of it. I think it's super relatable. I think a lot of people, you know, especially women have complicated relationships with their mothers and they struggle, especially at that age when you kind of start becoming the parent and you're trying to take care of someone who's used to taking care of you and telling you when you're wrong. I really enjoyed that. I felt like that was, you know, a real true and honest thing. And then her mom, you know, being pleasant at the lunch and then saying, you did that to set me up. I'm like, I, yep. My mom would say the same thing. Like, I feel you. That is a shame. You know? Yeah. That was really relatable to me. Yeah. So interesting. Um, I also my favorite thing about what I've I feel at least as a viewer of Jersey is that people seem to be able to like both Jennifer and Margaret as housewives or people I seem do. to like Melissa and Jennifer and that's the best. I love this cast. I love all of them. You don't have to yeah. be team anyone. It's Same. just dynamic women living their lives out loud and we're along for the ride. Yeah, I mean even honestly during the fight with um, you know, Jackie and Teresa, I was like, Oh my God. Oh, good comeback. Like, Oh, that was amazing. Look what she just said. I mean, I wasn't on anybody's side about it. I got the analogy. I also got that. That's, I mean, you just never bring up her family. That's just, you gotta, gotta know that with Teresa. And then with Teresa, I was like, ah, you, I don't really like what you're saying right now, but I mean, all of them I enjoy now. Dolo is my favorite, like hands down her kids. Her, just everything about her. She's so honest and real and kind. I didn't know that she did that much charity work. I loved seeing that. I just love her. I love when she's on screen, you know, and Frank, all of it. I don't have any problem with her dating David. If she's happy, I'm happy. I have been defending David all season since the first episode when they got in a fight in the kitchen and he left and said, we're done here. I said, give him a break. He is a doctor working during a pandemic. Yes. And his girlfriend decided to undergo elective surgery. And so maybe he has some thoughts about it. Okay. Like it doesn't make her wrong. It doesn't make him wrong. They just had an argument and that's that. And yeah. I she's so lovely. She um got messaged me. I I tagged Stop her in it. something and she I've been messaged by so many housewives and I'm just like, "Oh, whatever." But Dolo, oh, what I don't that? get messaged by housewives. I rarely tag them. I don't oh, have I don't, a huge okay. like online presence, but I tagged yeah. her because last week Tari and I were talking about how much like I've been defending David. <laughs> Like all season. I'm like, I will not hear this nonsense about him. He is a mensch. He is a good guy. She is happy. Leave them alone. And, um, and she was like, oh, like, like she wrote me. Like, and she's like, I'll be listening. Like, thank oh, that's you. So nice. I was like, oh my God. I like love you. That's so sweet. You know, but I've heard from people that like who, you know, 
David has been their doctor for a very intense um, high-risk pregnancy, and he's incredible, and he does really important work. And that's not enough to make someone a good person, but watching how he is with her and her kids and the love that her ex-husband has for him, like, he's clearly a good dude. He's not big on TV. That's okay. Look, here are the things we need to know about David. She said best sex of her life, right? Yeah. Okay, great to know. And he knows what he's doing down there, all that good stuff. Wonderful. He took care of Frank, like really took care of him, nursed him back to health. Like who does that? That's amazing. What a what a wonderful guy. He, I mean, he just seems like he is a, a calm presence, a really thoughtful person. I enjoy him. And, you know, being a doctor, that's a wonderful thing, bringing new life into the world. And one of my followers, Jambian, said, like, I'm actually, I live in that area, and I'm looking for a gynecologist, and his name popped up. And I was like, you must. There's no one else you should go to, and I need to hear everything. Please tell me everything. I <laughs> Can you imagine? I, I don't know. She didn't write me back. I got I to gotta find who that was. I got to put something out there to be like, hey, if you were going to go see David, please let me know how that went. So let's end with, you met, You mentioned that a lot of different housewives have DM'd you. Can you tell us, like, the funniest interaction you've had with one? Oh, you know, have I had a funny one? I don't know if it, I mean, they're funny if we start to, like, talk shit a little bit, like, just make funny, you know, references back and forth to each other. Um, okay, Deandra, right? She messaged me a while back. And she said something really funny about Mama D, just like Mama D setting somebody straight um, in public. And because I said, oh, my God, I'm obsessed with your mother. I think she's hilarious. And she's like, that is truly what she's like. She will read you the filth like she doesn't care at all. <laughs> so probably the only funny thing, everything else is just sort of like based on a dive I did and somebody writing and being like, you know, is that true or what about this or something Um but yeah, it's probably the only funny one just because I think Mama D is so amazing. Do you think that the housewives, like, who do you think is most concerned with their image based on how they've interacted with you? Ooh, concerned with their image based on how they, Cam. Hmm. Yeah. She, uh, you know, she, again, very kind, you know, once we started a rapport, but she wanted to uh, clear up some things. She wanted to be like, you know, and this happened because of this. And people are thinking this about me, but it's really this. Uh, and I'm like, hey, I'm letting you know I'm not even watching. <laughs> like, I'm not watching Dallas this year. So it seems like maybe you should do X, Y, and Z in that situation. Like, and I told her, like, I probably would not have eaten the chicken feet either. Like, my mom makes a lot of stuff. You know, she's from this part of the world, X, Y, Z. And I don't, I don't enjoy it, but I don't make fun of it. So that's, I feel like that's your cross to bear. And that's your challenge, being a housewife. And you got to navigate those waters. Um, but I think she was very unhappy with how she was being portrayed, which is, you know, a negative light this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I don't understand. I don't know how these women have time to DM fan accounts. Like, I I don't know if I if I was on this show, I would just not I would post what I needed to post but I wouldn't go down a rabbit hole of worrying what people thought of me yeah that can be dangerous I actually thought about that earlier today I was like I think I would I think I would take like the you know Sonia Ramona Luann approach to it where I'm like I just gonna live my life I'm gonna post some random stuff but I'm not going to like 
be in there and seeing what people think about, like even Kyle the other day posted on something I made. What did I say about that? Oh, it's because her new tagline is like, there's something about the queen in my town. And so I was like, didn't she, didn't she have a tweet or something making fun of LVP for calling herself a queen? And so I put those two things together and put that out as a post, just like, hey, this was in 2019 saying no one should call themselves a queen, blah, blah, blah. And then her tagline this year is this. And she commented on there like, you know, it was a play on words. I'm like, Kyle, like, go play with your kids. Go yell at your dog Storm. Like, it's okay. We're going to have fun with this. You know us. Like, Yeah, it's it's funny. I It's just interesting to see, like, how they are online and stuff. Yeah. And, and it just, it, it doesn't make sense, like, to obsess. And, and I think it is somewhat some of the downfall is the obsession with social media and the obsession yes. with will people take my side? Will they take so-and-so's side? I mean, I think we saw it a lot during the Monique and Candace stuff where Monique really relied on her fans. Um, and then Candace, you know, all the stuff online, it's just, it was a little bit too much. And it, it yeah. takes away, it's like, just live your life. Don't, don't not apologize for something because your fans are behind you and they don't want you to. Like, mm-hmm. be your authentic self. And I That's feel right. like... Um, social media has taken some of that away, but it also has allowed us to see people's authentic selves that maybe we wouldn't otherwise see, like with Cam or with Cam's, you know, husband and brother-in-law. True. So it's, I don't know, it's like a double-edged sword. And I, and it's also like, it's no secret that many of the housewives pay people to run their social media. So for instance, like, I almost forgot about this one. So Jen Shaw, you know, back when that season was first starting, I was a huge Jen Shaw fan. And so I remember I tagged her and Heather and they were just having so much fun. It was just, you know, hilarious episodes. And so Dan, quote unquote, and I would like go back and forth, you know, and say all kinds of things to each other. And it was a very funny, positive interaction. And the whole time I say to myself, like, this this could be the person or it could be someone they're paying to do their social media. And we're just having, you know, a discourse randomly every now and then. I don't know. Could have been Cam. Could have been the person she paid. Um, I think it was Deandra, just from the stuff that we, you know, said to each other. Was it Kyle that posted? Was it Kyle's social media manager? I don't know. But um, either way, it's interesting. Did Dolores really thank me for standing up for Damon? (laughs) No, I don't want to make you doubt that. That was her. We're going to say that forever. That was her. Frank messaged me once because I tagged him in something really funny. And it was like a three part thing. So each part was like 15 seconds. It was a video. And he reposted it in the wrong order and then asked me, how do I undo it? And I was like, I'm not the person. I know nothing about Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) He was so funny. He's like, this is hilarious. It was about you know, just how we need like a three part, like only Jersey husbands, like go to Vegas. Yes. Yes. They are. They are really endearing those guys. They really are. It's fun to see them together. Um, I didn't like though, the way Joe talked to Melissa, we got like a little glimpse of something. Did you catch that too? Yeah. Well, they went into it a lot during the reunion about how like the argument, at least the way that they're framing it is that, it used to be, it seemed like it was quite toxic in the beginning where they were both jealous. And so they mm. did everything together, right? And he would never go somewhere without her and she would never go somewhere without him, which is a very unhealthy way to live. Um, but 
at some point before the pandemic, Melissa was getting asked to do a lot of events and she went out about four times a week without him. And so there's mm-hmm. a period of like six That's months where she was yeah. out and he was at home. And he's like, why is she leaving me? Why is she doing this without me? Why is she doing it all the time? And when the pandemic started, like, I think he still held on to that and was like, well, as soon as things open up, you're just going to go back to that. Mm-hmm. And so that's sort of what it felt like the fight was about. But I also, Andy pointed out, like, he just lost both parents. Too. Oh, yeah. And I oh, yeah. And think, I think that was Dolo that pointed that out. Like, he's going through something. I'm like, yeah. oh, absolutely. He is. He thinks about how his mom was with his dad, how much they loved each other. He misses them. Yeah, I think so. But also being afraid of being alone, being, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't know exactly. But yeah, I also thought some of it had to do with money and like maybe she's making more money and so the dynamics of the relationship have changed. But um, I also think it kind of mirrored a little bit, not not the same, but of Jennifer's parents, how she resents him a bit because she stayed at home for all those years raising oh, yeah. the kids and he was gone. He was working, but he was gone and yeah. she was there and she was left to do it all herself. And so now she's like, well, now that the kids are older and they don't need me for everything, I'm going to go have fun because I never got to do that. Um you know, because you prevented me, you know, I think in her mind, that sort of, she's owed, you know, time away. But I, I don't know, I yeah. can kind of see now I'd never could see his side before. But if she was gone four nights a week, yeah. without him, that is that is excessive. I think for that is. anyone that has children under 18. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and that that helps, right? You need a metric every now and then. It's like, well, how often was she gone, Joe? Like, what is really bothering you here? Like, give us some stats so we can like be in your corner. And that definitely would do it. Like if my husband was gone four nights a week, you know, and it's things I could go to, but he's saying he's going to go by himself. Mm, that wouldn't go over well. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I can see it. Um, and then just all the f- the the thing that did annoy me though with Jersey is the fighting over Joe Judice um, or Judici whatever his name is. Mm, oh and, yeah, and how like Teresa's daughters didn't like Joe and Melissa saying anything. But I'm sorry, Teresa's daughters, Gia specifically, you have to deal with the fact that your parents made the decision to put all of your family life out on camera. And you made the decision to do confessionals and True. potentially get paid for them. I don't know how that works. Um, and and so, and your dad is saying all these horrible things about them. So they're supposed to constantly, it's like, they can say things about anyone, right? Joe Giudice can shout and say anything, but no one can say anything about him. And mm-hmm. it's all like true stuff, right? Like he he cheated on on Teresa, he treated her poorly. Terribly. He got he sent her to jail. He mm-hmm. he had her sign documents that literally led her to go to jail and she yes. didn't knowingly commit a crime. Yeah. And so I just uh, that just frustrated me that Gia's like and she said it on Watch What Happens Live like they shouldn't talk about my dad like you know it should be off limits it's like sorry honey none of this stuff is off limits your whole life is on tv yeah, yeah. i mean at that point like just opt out of it just don't watch the show and don't be part of it because exactly. they will always talk about him that was such a huge he was part of it he was part of the show she was a child she doesn't probably have the same perspective on it and then in in her defense like that's her dad 
right? Mm-hmm. She's already had to weather a huge storm with him. She doesn't want to be reminded of these things. She wants to have a good relationship with him. She doesn't want to hear negative things about him. I get that. I would say tune out, but she's mic'd up. And if you're mic'd up, you gotta, you know, you gotta let those emotional attachments, you know, take a back seat and allow other people to have their feelings. Like you can't tell them they can't talk about certain things that make you upset. So I agree. I don't know. I know everyone loves Gia, but something about her doesn't fully, I don't know. Something's off with her. I'm sure she's a nice person, but I don't think she's this perfect little angel that I think some people like paint her to be. And now she's an adult and she does have some agency. She could have taken the route of some of the other daughters that never do confessionals and aren't in scenes with their mom. You know, they like as they've gotten older, Adriana, never you never see her anymore. Mm. She could make that choice, too. But I don't know to publicly then to publicly shame your aunt and uncle for like daring to have an opinion while they're on a reality show about a show centered around family. I don't know. And there's part of me that wonders if she's saying some of the things that, you know, she feels like Teresa can't or won't because they seem so close. So, so, so close. You know, they're they're dishing about the boyfriend and they're in the scenes together a lot. She's the oldest. She knew the most about what was happening when things were happening with, you know, going to jail and all that stuff. Um, so I just wonder if part of the reason that she does get mic'd up and does do the show is because she kind of wants to jump in there and try to help her mom out a little bit. So... Yeah. Anyway, so. she she had to grow up too soon. I'll say that about Gia. You know, she's she's a uh, mature and calm, especially maybe because she's in scenes with Teresa. So the bar is a little bit lower, and we're used to Teresa just getting so upset about things, and Gia will step back and tell her to calm down. Um, but I mean, we'll see. I don't know if she's going to be part of the show long term, or if she's going to go off to college and we will not see her. I don't know. It'll be it'll be interesting. Yeah, I think, you know, once Joe Judice was off the show, she felt the need to step in to be like the husband or whatever yeah. for Teresa to play that role the way that Frank plays the role because David can't always be there. Yeah. Like they step in and you know, she yeah, she's in college, but it was COVID, so she was at home. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what it'll be like next year, but next now Teresa has a boyfriend, so it's almost like she stepped in for a bit. But um, I do feel for her. I know she didn't choose to be on the show. You know, it yeah. was thrust upon her, so I can totally understand that. I just feel like she keeps saying like, "Oh, this is off limits. This is off limits," and it's like that's not how this works. And can you please nope. stop saying that? Yeah, you can't, honestly. I mean, I get like, you know, coming after someone's kids being off limits. Absolutely. You know, without a doubt. But to say you cannot mention a person that was pivotal in understanding the background of this entire series. Like, no, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been so fun to chat, Sarah. Um, Tell everyone where they can find your page and if there's anything else you want to plug. Sure. So I am Bravo, Bravo, ducking Bravo, <laughs> quack, quack, at, um, on Instagram. I am Bravo ducking on Twitter and I'm my same Instagram handle on TikTok. I've only made a couple of TikToks. They take so long. You know, I'm trying people are like, when are you going to make more? I'm like, 
give me a quiet background and an hour to prep and I'll make another one. Takes a lot. Amazing. Um, and just great to talk to you too. I just am so happy. I'll talk Bravo, you know, anytime, whenever. And this was such a pleasure. It's, I love like finding the people behind these <laughs> accounts. It's like you, Danielle, who does Brands by Bravo, I've talked to, like Stephen Faces by Bravo. Like everyone has their own career, their own other things going on, their own personal lives. But like this is the common language that we have and the way that we relate to each other. And it is, yes, it's so fun to be able to watch these shows and consume them like with a community. Yes. I mean, that's why I started my account. I was talking to my cat and I'm like, I need people who take this as seriously as I do. I want to break down the psychology behind why these people are making these choices. Yes. Yes, exactly. And I love I love trying to identify why they behave the way they do, because yeah. I learn a bit about myself, too. For sure. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I think I've done that before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well thank you so much and we will be sure to have you on again thank you thank you